Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, in a rare afternoon podcast for me and Frank. And that's because uh, the Bucks pick up a big win, 109-107 in overtime. Chris Middleton, with half a second left in overtime, sinks the mid-range jumper. It was a thing of beauty. The game wasn't a thing of beauty, but that shot was a thing of beauty. And I just said to you, Frank, we didn't even have the opportunity to have a happy, excited playoff podcast last year because all we got was the consolation game four. So I'm pretty fired up. This one felt for the most part like a game that you were going to look back and rue the missed shots, rue the missed free throws. Uh, Fortunately, the Bucks pulled it out. But I, I have no idea where you want to start with this one, Frank. We could go anywhere. I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I mean, it was a battle of the Bucks not being able to make threes, five out of 31 from three versus the Heat not being able to make twos. They were 16 out of 49 inside the arc. Jimmy Butler, four out of 22 overall. Uh, he was two out of 13 on two-point shots. Bam at a bio, four out of 15. Um, so I, I think it's, it's sort of one of these games where, you know, both teams will probably, you know, be able to talk themselves into man, you know, we should have won. We, we could have had it. If we just make shots we normally make, we win that game, right? Um, and I think certainly you look at it for the Bucks. I, I think, you know, three-point line is normally where, you know, it's a more – there's there's more luck kind of going both ways. And you look at Miami 20 out of 50 versus the Bucks 5 out of 31. First time in playoff history for sure. Uh, I saw that I, – I think I think I saw a stat that, what, like, never has a team uh, won a game where they were outshot by – even maybe 12 or 14, um, 14. threes in a game. That was 14, Pal- yeah. Yeah, Kevin Pelton, I brought the tweet up because I, th- I noted that as well. He said the lar- largest differential in a win prior to today was minus 12 by the 2015 Grizzlies over Portland and last year's Thunder over Houston. So it, it, you just don't win these games in the playoffs. Yeah, um, and of course, Bucks made it up uh, inside the arc. 56 to 24 advantage <laughs> in the paint. I, I was very surprised how easily the Bucks were able to get in there, especially, you know, we watched that game a week ago where they really walled off Giannis. Giannis didn't really have many even opportunities to get near the basket tonight. He had a lot. Um, I think he got a probably a bad whistle, but, um, you know, still 27 shots from Giannis. Uh, but, you know, certainly we hope this is not what playoff Giannis is going to be this year because, um, 10 out of 27 from the field, six out of 13 from the free throw lines, very costly misses, um, a bad decision by him late, uh, with the bucks up two and a chance to, um, you know, kind of, or sorry, up one in regulation, a chance to basically, you know, put, put, put the, uh, bucks up three instead of passing to a teammate who can actually shoot free free throws. He doesn't call timeout. He doesn't pass. He gets fouled, misses one of the free throws. And then, um, Jimmy Butler blows by him for the game tire at the horn. So, um, you know, 
I think, again, you can kind of go back and do debits and credits all day with this game as far as who was better, who was worse than usual. I think there were a ton, a ton of those, you know. Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic uh, were probably better than they're going to – this may have been their best games of the series, you hope, uh, but I can't imagine Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo can possibly be worse versus on the Bucks side. Hopefully that was the worst we're going to see from Giannis in terms of overall offensive efficiency and decision-making, 26 points still. Uh, five turnovers from him. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just just a, an ugly game overall. I mean, 99 offensive rating for the Bucks, 97 defensive rating. That defensive rating is tremendous, right? Which shows you how well they defended inside the arc in particular and were able to weather all of those threes by, by, the, by the Miami Heat. So very, very uh, vintage Bucks game, I guess, in that sense, right? Like you just defend the paint so well that even when the other team hits a ton of threes, it, it ends up not mattering. So um, we'll, we'll obviously see kind of how much of this carries over to, uh, to the next game. But I think obviously you had to feel great about uh, Drew Holiday really kind of stepping into the game as it went on. Huge third quarter from him. Um, he played really well and comes up with that big block shot at the buzzer on Jimmy Butler uh, and also had a huge steal and score in overtime as well. So whoever that scout was that got quoted about Drew Holiday not being a great defender. I think he <laughs> made some very big defensive plays today to uh, remind people of, of what he's capable. By the way, he wasn't credited with a block uh, in the box score. So I don't know. Again, the Bucks scorekeepers uh, not giving a, a friendly friendly stat uh, to to uh, to him. But Drew Holiday, 20 points, uh, 11 rebounds uh, in 42 minutes. You know, okay, we're not missing Eric Bledsoe. And Chris Middleton, you know, 27 points, six rebounds, six assists, and obviously just that monster shot um, down at the end there to to win the game for the Bucks. You had to feel great for Chris, and um, you know, he's he's now basically won the last the last the only two times <laughs> the Bucks have won in the playoffs against the Miami Heat in the last year. Uh, Chris has really been the guy that that has cemented both of those wins. So you have to obviously feel good for him coming out and and having a really really big game, even with having to put out a ton of effort to try to keep up with Duncan Robinson, who obviously shot the ball really well as well. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, just both teams, I think, left a lot to be desired. But obviously, you, you, if you're the Bucks, maybe you feel like you stole that one a little bit. But uh, certainly feels great to, to get out to a one nothing series lead, especially. Yeah, a big F you to the haters from Chris Middleton tonight in this game. <laughs> uh, and, and let's be honest. And let's be honest, Frank, just scrolling through Twitter. A um, little bit quiet on the Middleton hate in this game. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a few people that'll be disappointed about that. But... I, I thought we could talk, you know, defensively to start because, again, like we can talk about the missed shots and, and you already pointed to it. I mean, fingers crossed, this is the worst shooting night that the Bucks have across this series. I mean, five for 31, that's a season low in three-point makes. So you could just keep going through the numbers. They were six for 14 from the free throw line in the final four minutes of regulation and overtime. And it, it's kind of funny that you say Yana should have got to someone who can actually shoot a free throw. Well, was there a guy that could shoot a free throw on the floor for the Bucks? Because I didn't see it. Maybe, maybe, you know, Brooke, Brooke. Well, Brooke he's, <laughs> well, well, he, he missed two. one out of eight at least. But yeah. At least he, at least he made seven out of eight on the game. But yeah, it seemed like everybody, nobody was, was allowed to make two free throws. Yeah. Nobody yeah. was allowed to make two free throws, which is just like, you know, basketball one-on-one, right? But uh, Yeah. Well, let's keep it on topic. You know, I was going to move to the defense. We'll get to that, but we're talking about the free throws. Let's talk about the 10-second violation on Giannis. So there's uh, one minute and six seconds left in the game. Giannis misses the first free throw. The Bucks are up by one point at this uh, at this stage in the game with one minute left. 
the official decides to call a 10-second violation on Giannis. Uh, we have rarely, if ever, seen this, uh, certainly rarely seen this. To call it at that stage in the game is, is absolutely absurd. And, and as you do, if you tweet something out, and I said something along the lines of this is quite extraordinary because it, it was for that moment of the game to make that call. Giannis actually made that free throw which, you know, in the end, we know the game went to overtime. That free throw would have been enough to avoid that. Perhaps they go for a three. Of course, things change. But I just cannot believe that they made this call at that point in the game. Giannis was asked in the post game whether he had been warned by the officials whether for taking too long. He was kind of coy about it, which maybe leads you to believe that he was. He's like, oh, I can't really remember if I was if I was warned about it. But he's like, if I took longer than 10 seconds, it was a good call. Whatever. Giannis being polite. They won the game. That's fine. But on the other hand, I asked Bud about this 10-second call. And I actually shit myself a little bit. Because when I asked the question, I thought there was some problem with my mic. Bud was looking annoyed. He was looking angry. I'm like, oh, my God. They've called me on to ask a question here then something's gone wrong with my Zoom call. But no, I think either Bud was really holding it back because he didn't want to get a fine or he was trying to make a point by having a 10-second violation on his answer to my question. I'm not 100% sure, but he just said to make that call at that time of the game was a big call. Uh, how are you feeling? You are the free throw uh, king of Bucks and watching and analyzing and, and certainly getting more frustrated than anyone else. When you see this 10-second call, what is going through your head? I mean, on the one hand, it's like, you know, if you take forever at the free throw line, you, you open yourself up to the officials call, making that call, right? So, I mean, on the one hand, like, it's Giannis's problem that he can't make free throws, and then he has to go to this elaborate routine that puts himself at risk for being called this. That said, um, you know, as an official, like, what, why you call that there rather than calling it early in the game, or like you said, like, you know, making a clear message of like, okay, you know, like, look, you, you got to speed it up. Uh, um, it's just bizarre. I mean, it's like, you know, again, just the, the whole thing about officials trying to insert themselves into the game instead of letting players play. And so I, I, I mean, I, I, I'd love to know the psychology of the ref of, yeah. of trying to make a statement at that part of the game um, rather than if you're going to call something like that, do it, do it earlier. Right. So just strange, very strange, and I think just emblematic kind of what people hate about, you know, NBA officiating, which is that it just seems like officials sometimes just decide that they need to be in the middle of things. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're not, people don't, people don't watch the games for you, buddy. Um, so <laughs> in, in any case, I mean, you know, Giannis can't, I mean, I don't think like Giannis can complain too much because he, he goes over 10 seconds technically regularly. So it's like, well, technically you're violating the rules a lot. So um, you know, uh, in either way, he's, he missed way too many free throws regardless today. So, um, you know, it's just going to be one of these things we're going to have to watch. And I think certainly, you know, Giannis's history of he's never been, even when he was a better free throw shooter, he wasn't a good playoff free throw shooter. I mean, he, he's not a guy that you can trust to make free throws in playoffs. That's, that's the reality. And, um, I think, you know, again, the idea that, okay, it's, we're going to see a different Giannis this playoffs because he's, in better headspace or, you know, he's refined and his game a little bit. Hopefully that's true. This is just one game, but certainly this was not a game that, um, you know, was, was a statement <laughs> suggests that he's solved uh, the mental problems he's had in the past, especially with the free throws. So, um, you know, I think it's absolutely concerned because uh, even with Miami, not, you know, they, they didn't frustrate him in a way that you normally think about teams frustrating him. I think, again, there probably should have been a number of foul calls called that he didn't get. Um, 
but at the same time, like when you don't make your free throws, that's ultimately on you. Uh, and, and again, um, uh, you just hope that this is a, not a harbinger of what's going to come uh, in, in the rest of this series and, and potentially beyond, right? That, that he's going to continue to be inside his own head shooting free throws because we've seen this movie before. And, um, you know, you're, you're not the MVP if you play like this. You know, like th- this, is, this is why people question him. This is why people, um, and I, I would say I'm myself included, like I, I got to see it from Giannis. I don't, I don't really trust him to be the best player in a series you know, every series, I, I think he's got to show that he can do that. And I talked a lot about, you know, Giannis versus Jimmy Butler. I think he got very lucky that Jimmy Butler was somehow even worse than him today. Um, because uh, certainly uh, last year's Jimmy Butler probably, uh, you know, Bucks lose this game, but thankfully they, they were able to bottle up him and give Giannis credit. I mean, we can maybe transition into the defensive stuff. We saw Giannis on Jimmy Butler for huge portions of this game. Um, and I, I didn't, I don't know why he was going over screens at times. That, that obviously is a coaching tactical decision, which I don't really agree with. Um, but overall, you had to feel good about the way that, that they defended him for the most part today. And, you know, aside from a couple moments, including, unfortunately, that last play in regulation, um, they defended him extremely well. And, um, putting size on him with Giannis, I thought was obviously a, a good decision. Uh, when you just look at the results, he, he obviously just had a really hard time dealing with the buck size um, in and around the basket. Well, uh, well, I mean, your first point, firstly, about the, the facts with the 10 seconds, I mean, you're 100% right. It's not, the, the problem with this call that I have is not that it was fewer than 10 seconds. It's not what I'm arguing. It's just for the time in the game to all of a sudden say, hey, I'm the official now, I'm going to insert myself in the game. I mean, it's just fucking ridiculous. But I, I will say, I, I, think, I think you're being a little bit harsh on Giannis here. And you, listen, you're a harsh critic, Frank, we get it. But 10 for 27 from the field, clearly you want to see him have a, a high efficiency than that. I don't think that he's going to be able to get to the efficiency we're used to in a series against Miami because of, really, let's be honest, the physicality they're allowed to play with him. I think one of Giannis' biggest problems in this game is that he didn't just fall to the floor like the Miami Heat players did for the entirety of this game, and they were getting the whistles all night long. So I think that was a contributing factor. He got to his spots. Those mid-range jumpers have been pretty reliable for him. There's no doubt about that. And I, and I, and I think that he got... a a number of those, you know, they, they were pretty good. They were good looks. They didn't go down tonight. So I'm not saying that he was at his best tonight. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the way that he was able to influence the game in other ways, um, certainly, as you pointed to, I mean, he does, does deserve some credit for that. You'd like to see his efficiency get up. You'd like to see him hit a couple of those jumpers. The free throws are always going to be a concern. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably not as down on Giannis after this game as you are. I think the the... The good thing, or, or the good thing to point out from this game is his elbow. I mean, Giannis always says that he's fine, but he said after the game it was nothing. There's no major concerns with that moving forward. Um, but that, again, came on a screen. And, and, and Frank, yeah. you mentioned it. I mean, this is the thing that Miami is going to do to you over the course of a seven-game series. And again, that's why I just think it was so huge that the Bucks won this game. Because if you're playing from behind against this Miami team, the screens that they set... And, you know, if you really look at them, I'm not sure how many of those screens are legal, but they set a bunch of screens and they're forcing Middleton to run through endless screens chasing Duncan Robinson around. They're forcing Giannis into screen action every single time because they know it's not a strength of his working through that. I mean, this is going to be a physical series and those two in particular, Middleton, Giannis, and also Drew Holiday, I mean, they're going to get beaten up defensively. And and I thought they held up tonight, um, but it's going to be a long series. Yeah, I think I saw Giannis was 0 for 13 outside the restricted area, which is just like... I mean, like you're in your eighth season in the NBA, dude. Like, but how many times has he done that? Well, I mean, look at the the second Nets game. I mean, just like the second half of that game, like it was just 
he, he can't literally, he goes through stretches where like he cannot do anything unless he's getting to the rim, which of course he's as good as anybody in the history of the sport, probably getting the rim. So, you know, he kind of lives with it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it's sort of things like just macro, like, you know, I, I've, I've kind of felt this way, you know, I started to be concerned about after the Toronto series, definitely, you know, unfortunately last year, obviously the, the heat series, which was abbreviated because of the injury, obviously, but um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I have to be, it has to be, he's got to prove it. Like, I, I don't, I'm not optimistic that, that Giannis is, is, you know, the kind of player that that's going to be able to just dominate a great defense over a seven game series. And again, he's at that age where this is, this is where he, this is where he turns that corner, you know, like this is traditionally the age where a guy can kind of make a leap. Um, but I, I don't, I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. Um, and again, doesn't, doesn't mean that he can't be a great player, but you know, like he just, it's a murderer's row, man. Like. Frank, we don't we didn't get to win these playoff games at the buzzer beater too often, and you've come in here, Mister Wet Blanket Frank Madden, and just basically said that Giannis is never going to win a playoff series and, and be the best player. This is no, this he's he can be a playoff series, league. but like no playoff series, sure, but you know, beating the Magic or beating even the Celtics two years ago, right? That's that's good, encouraging, but um, you know, that's that's sort of the entry level type stuff. Right. And yeah. doing it against Spo against the heat doing it against the Raptors, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's our part. So, uh, he's just gotta, I mean, he's just gotta be better. And it's just, man, the free throw stuff. It's just like, dude, yeah. you gotta get, you gotta get over this. This is just, we always see this from you when the games start to matter. Um, so, and I, I you know, the part that I thought, I thought was interesting. I don't know if anybody talked about it in the post game. I, I rewatched it. When off the jump ball uh, in the final, whatever that was, in the final, you know, 15 seconds of, of regulation there, um, he gets the ball in the corner. Uh, by the way, there, there were some, I, let me let's just say that, well, I, I'll, I'll pause some of the defensive stuff, but there were just some <laughs> awesome defensive possessions from the Bucks in this game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, people are going to be like, oh, they could have given too many threes. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, we can, we'll get to that in a minute. But he gets the ball, and I was looking at it, and people were wondering why the Bucks didn't call timeout. If, if you look at it, Bud, Bud is signaling for timeout when Giannis gets the ball, and then he's still signaling for timeout as he starts to dribble in the backcourt, and then he gets past midcourt, and then Bud kind of puts his arms down, and you know, he's got a chance to pass it there, right? Um, I'm really curious like what Giannis's kind of mindset was there, right? Because on the one hand, you kind of like the idea of like, he's, you don't want him to be afraid to shoot those free throws, right? Obviously, you want him to feel confident, like, give me the ball. I, I'm not going to run away from the ball in those situations. I am curious, like if he, how conscious it was for him to not give up the ball and not look for a better free throw shooter at that point in the game. Cause obviously that would have been, you know, the right decision to try to find once you're, especially once you're past half court, it looked like he would have had some passing options. Um, so I think that that's like one of those interesting things. I'm curious, you know, just what his kind of mindset was at that point. And obviously, you know, he ends up missing one and, and then Jimmy comes back and, and ties the game. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just, we'll see. I mean, I, I think there's been better some Giannis has improved in some respects this year, but then, you know, in some of the basic jump shooting types of things, he really hasn't also. Um we'll have we'll have to see. I mean, he's gotta start making some some shots outside of the restricted area and hopefully hopefully that starts next game. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm you can we can we can paint me as the uh the Giannis skeptic, which I, I think I've been for a little while now. I mean I yeah. love him, he's my favorite player, but I don't really like I don't really trust him in in uh, in these huge games to to like be that guy that's going to make the right decision, right play at the end of the game. And again, hopefully he he starts to do it and proves me wrong. I would never be happier to be wrong in my life than than on that.
So uh, I'm fully aware that it might seem like I'm, I'm just making this up now to make myself sound good. But I DM'd you before we started this podcast and I said, I'm just going to like jump on the, the Bucks media calls. Um, so I haven't asked Giannis a question for a long time because of work and other commitments here in Australia. So I'm going to try and fire one at him. That was literally the question that I wanted to ask him. Uh, why he held on to the ball there. He was being pressured by Jimmy Butler, but what was going through his head? Did he want those free throws? Did he just not want to turn the ball over? Because I, I think fa- it's a fascinating mental mindset for him to say, no, fuck it, fail me. I'll go to the free throw line because you know, for someone that's had so many struggles in big moments, it was certainly fascinating that that was the case. Um, we've spoken about the big gun so far. I, again, I just want to emphasize, I mean, you want to know why the Bucks went out and got Drew Holiday? you don't get that performance from Drew, uh, from Eric Bledsoe. You, you just don't. So that's, that's the simple part of what we saw tonight from Drew Holiday. But I thought in the first half, I don't know how you felt about this, Frank, but two guys that we've asked the question on and wondered what they're going to be able to do in the postseason, Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes, in the first half, I know Forbes only finishes with five points and he didn't hit a three, which is what you expect him to do. But in the first quarter, the Bucs could hardly score. They, they just couldn't get the ball in the bucket. He had an important and one. Uh, Bobby Portis provided a real spark offensively, had eight points in the, in eight minutes early in his first couple of times on the court. And then Pat Connaughton even came up with an offensive rebound and put it back in for his only two points for the game. So I, look, the bench in terms of what you got from production wasn't huge, but the fact that those guys came in when the Bucks were really struggling to score, were able to put some points on the board and keep the Bucks basically on level peggings with the heat in the first quarter and a half, I thought was important. And, and you know, I, you can question what Bobby Portis did you know, on the glass, I think there were some issues, certainly defensively, and when it came to rebounding when he was on the floor. But Forbes had a couple of nice defensive uh, possessions there at least. So it wasn't disastrous. And I, and I think that's what you need. It, it can't be disastrous for the Bucks rotation. And I saw a number of people on Twitter jumping on early in the first quarter. And, and of course, it's game one. People are going to overreact. There's going to be all these takes thrown out there. But you know, very quickly, everyone's like, nine people in the, in the game in the first quarter. Unbelievable, bud. And then you look at the box score at the end of the game. You know, PJ Tucker, I, I don't think, had a great night, but he only played 17 minutes, 16 from Bobby, 14 from Bryn, and 10 from Pat. And then Bud just let the starters run. And I, look, I wasn't shocked from that. You've pointed it out a number of times before. Bud's had criticisms in the past for not playing his starters enough, but we've seen this year that the minutes have been ramped up. We've seen when when things get desperate in the playoffs that he's let the guys play. So, look, I think you got what you wanted from Bobby and Bryn, but overall, when it mattered, Bud rolled with the starters, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, I mean, both those guys not making a three. I mean, yeah, hopefully that will be – hopefully that, that'll change. I thought it was very strange that Bryn Forbes gets two drives and layups, right? I know, <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of funny that – that against a team like Miami, which you think of as this great defense, like he ends up getting two of the more like um, clear driving lanes for, for finishes, even with his lack of size. Um, and Bobby hit a couple of those little like mid range floaters, didn't hit a three, but, um, but ends up, you know, hitting a couple shots, including what it was right. Was it at halftime that he mm-hmm. hit that little push shot? Yep. Um, I think right after to, to kind of help start, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you need more. Obviously, you want more from from that bench in terms of the three point shooting, right? Because that's the way that that those guys have differentiated Bobby and and Brand shooting at a really high level. Obviously, Pat doesn't. You know, he's he's basically just cutting offensive rebounding and then jacking threes, right? So you obviously hope that you're going to get some bigger uh, performances from that bench. But you know, at the end of the day, as you said, it's the playoffs. It's time to roll with roll with your your big guns, and you know, you see. 
the, the, the kind of key guys for the Bucks touching 45, 46 minutes, which meant they were, you know, basically at 40 minutes in, in regulation as well, which I think is where we need them to be. So thankfully, we don't need to re- replay that whole discussion, <laughs> the early part of last year's Heat series, um, where we were wondering, well, why the hell is Bud not riding, you know, Giannis and Chris, et cetera. You played them more minutes during the regular season, think in part to prepare them for this. And obviously, um, you know, we saw it here, here in game one. And I thought Brooke was, you know, was good um, as well, right? I mean, we talked about seven out of eight from the foul line. I think he was five out of eight from uh, from uh, from the five out of ten from the field. I think with a three. Um, and again, I think one thing to to kind of point out is like you can complain about the Bucks and and the defense on uh, on. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm trying to avoid little children right now. What is it? Um, daytime over there? Is this what happens during it, the day it, in the Madden household? It, it is. Well, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm at my my in-laws' house in Houston. I, I started my day was uh, was went went to the uh, Museum of Natural Science with uh, my daughter and niece and mother-in-law and my wife's aunt, uh, which was a lot of fun. So I was about an hour behind this game the entire time. Um, I'm now retreating to a quieter place. Um, so <laughs> so uh, anyway, but um, but yeah, I. I by the way, great dinosaur exhibit. If you're ever in Houston, you're looking for a good dinosaur bone exhibit. exhibit. Museum of Natural History here, or Science Museum is, is, is top notch. Uh, Mate, so, we'll, we'll, we'll be anyway. dinosaurs, but we'll be dinosaurs by the time I'm allowed back into the US. So yeah, I guess, I guess fitting, right? Like uh, we're, I was talking about Brooke Lopez and then I transitioned dinosaurs. to dinosaurs. <laughs> but um, but uh, no, Brooke, uh, I thought played pretty well. And here's, a, here's kind of the trade-off, right? Like I think one of the, decisions the Bucks made was, you know, basically told Chris, all right, you know, on those dribble handoffs, Bam Adebayo and Duncan Robinson, you're going to have to stay glued to Duncan Robinson and challenge him. And Brooks not going to be up really high at the level of the screen. I mean, <laughs> the way that, the way that Brooke defends Bam Adebayo is almost comical, right? I mean, you're just daring him to shoot little like 10 foot kind of push shots, mid range jumpers because he's so far off him. And the trade-off is that, you know, at some, some point, Duncan Robinson is going to get opportunities that maybe not like wide open threes, but he's going to be able to get, you know, kind of pull up, pull up threes, maybe even a little off balance, but he'll get good looks. And he's obviously a great shooter. And there are going to be games where he just makes a lot of them, which we saw today. The flip side is, okay, what is the trade-off? Well, you gave up 24 points in the paint, right? You held Miami to 33% shooting on twos. And so that's the trade-off. So if you're wondering why do you play, you know, why are you playing those triple handoffs that way? Well, you're, you're kind of deciding we care more about protecting those easy buck easy buckets at the rim preventing those versus you know trying to cut down on any three point shots so i mean i'd say that the end result today obviously is one that you have to be thrilled with a 97 defensive rating is just phenomenal against a good team um but again uh i don't think it's gonna be hard to replicate that level of defense inside the arc probably uh but today obviously you have to kind of tip your cap and say those guys inside did their job and really prevented Miami from, from doing what they wanted. Again, I think Miami also missed some shots that they're not going to miss, right? Like Jimmy missed a couple of shots where you're just like, man, how did he miss that? Like little bunny stuff. But, um, you know, Bucks, Bucks did what they wanted defensively and they lived with the trade-offs and obviously the net result was, was a very good one. Yeah. I mean, the, the only pushback, I guess, that you'll get from a lot of people and it's, it, it's tough, like you said, and I've been saying it all season long. It, it 
it's hard to win in all areas defensively in the NBA in 2021. It, it just is. I, I think the concern you would have, and the concern certainly I had watching the first five minutes of this game was like, well, okay, I, I don't know if you really want to start the series by giving Duncan Robinson three warm-up threes because they basically were. I mean, there was no one really near him. Brooke Lopez is standing several feet um, you know, in front of him there, so there was really no contest. And, and I guess that's that's the concern you would have is do you, do you let a guy like that get hot and, and feel it early in the game? And he certainly did, but there's no doubt. I thought defensively from that point on, um, they made pretty good decisions for the most part. And, you know, Dave Rammel from Locked on Heat came on and we did a little crossover the other day. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard that, Frank, but he said that Goran Dragic was someone that he's questioning big time. He doesn't think he can step it up. And I said, I need to see him play poorly against the Bucks before I even believe that. <laughs> and, and he had 25 points, 10 for 17. Five for 10 from three. And and you know what the challenge is with Goran Dragic, though? And teams will defend him in different ways. And, and you pointed out, we know what the Bucks like to do. But the biggest challenge with Goran Dragic is, and I do sympathize with the Bucks in some way, is because he's one of those rare players that actually really wants to get into the mid-range and shoot these little flippity shots and little mid-ranges and floaters. And he can be really destructive in that area. So then you think to yourself, okay, well... Let's give ourselves a step here because if he gets in there, he's going to cause chaos. And then he just knocks down the threes against the Bucks and never seems to miss. So he, he's just a, he is a real challenge. And, and I'll be curious to see. He's been out of the starting lineup for basically most of the season. He was last year as well. Then Spolster ended up putting him in the starting lineup. We'll see whether that's the case moving forward. But again, I mean, he's right up there, right up the top of the Buck killers. He's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I mean, just uh, no matter how old she's. Arn Dragic gets he's he's going to kill the Bucks in the playoffs. It feels like, um, uh, and he and he's or at least he's. I, I was actually kind of surprised. I look back at his numbers in last year's series; like they weren't as like eye popping as I expected. I think he cooled down a little bit as the series went on a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously a guy that that is just. I mean, he's really talented. And he's smart and he plays the right way. And um, you know, I, I think he's obviously somebody to watch and. Uh, you know, I mean, things kind of even out to some extent, right? Like, I, it, it's kind of one of these things, like, it's always this, this, there's this tendency to, like, cherry pick and say, you know, you know, Bucks got really lucky, obviously, that, that Bam and Jimmy didn't play well. It's like, well, yeah, but Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic, like, going to be hard for them to have as good of games as they had today, like, for the rest of the series, right? So stuff tends to work out, you know, one way or the other, uh, typically, especially over, you know, multiple games. Things kind of even Defense, you're generally going to be rewarded, and sure, you know teams can just sort of stay hot sometimes longer than you know you can you can stick around in the playoffs sometimes. But um, but so it goes. Uh, and and again, I think today I thought the the big thing today was I think just the work rate, the physicality, um, you know, the the effort level. I, I don't think you can you could ever question that that we saw from the Bucks, right? And I think whatever concerns you had about the Bucks in terms of like just the last couple weeks of the season, just the engagement level, not seeing that, not looking altogether very high. Um, I, I think again, I, I, you can't flip the switch. You know, I, I'm, I'm skeptical, you know, when we talk about flipping the switch going from, you know, like not caring to like caring and being really good at it. Um, but at a minimum, like we saw a high, really high level engagement, obviously the results today were really good defensively and you kind of hope that continues. And I thought, Interesting. Did you were you surprised by PJ playing only over the 17, 18 minutes? Because part of me is like not really that surprised, just because the Bucks don't really have to go small against the Heat to be competitive. Because Bam's always always out there, and Bam is not, you know, he's not 
shooting threes. He's not really even trying to shoot mid-range jumpers typically. So there are obviously benefits to having kind of a, a more switchable lineup because, you know, again, if you had Bam up there, you could switch when, uh, when Duncan Robinson comes off a, a dribble handoff, for instance, right? So I think that's an interesting look that you could give them. But by the same token, obviously, um, you know, you can, you can also – means you can have Brooke hanging back and at least his man is not a danger to, to really hurt him. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what PJ – how PJ's used the rest of this series. I would say this is probably maybe not the obvious series where you're going to need to lean really heavily on him. Um, but he's still a really nice piece to have to be able to throw out there against a guy like Jimmy or, you know, really just any of the, uh, any of their perimeter guys too, just because he's such a hard worker and, you know, is, is obviously just so can play with such physicality. Yeah. I mean, this is why I like the versatility of this Bucks team so much more than last season, because, you know, I've already mentioned Bobby Portis. If he's not having a night offensively where you think that you can have him out on the floor, then maybe you do play PJ Tucker in some of those bigger lineups because I saw a number of people tweeting, no Giannis and PJ lineups. This is unforgivable. And it's like, well, okay, well, look who's out on the floor, okay? Like, it's not necessarily the series where you need to go to that, but I think it's still an option there if Bobby doesn't bring that offense. And then, as you just mentioned, just think about what they were able to throw at Jimmy Butler last year. And you talk about Wesley Matthews all you want. He was on the bench, whatever. But this year, you can have Giannis, uh, you have Drew Holiday, and then you've got PJ Tucker coming off the bench. You know, it, it's just, you've just got more options. And I think PJ Tucker is going to be that swing player right throughout the series where, yeah, he might be out there in guards against the team in Miami where there's a lot of screen action and you think that that's going to help you. In other series, he might be uh, playing with the big man. But this is kind of the funny thing about Brook Lopez. And, and right through the middle of the season, when every, not, not every, I'm not going to exaggerate here, but there was a, a, a reasonable section of Bucks fans that wanted him traded. We said, Look at who the Bucs are probably going to match up through the postseason. Now, we were pointing to Philadelphia more than any other team, but by fate, they've got Miami, Bam Adebayo, as you pointed to, the way that Brooke, um, you know, defends him with those mid-range jump shots. Bam's a fine mid-range shooter. He's improved a lot. He'll probably knock some of those down in other games, and there'll be frustration that he's been able to shoot those. But you know, I just think, again, this is what the, the addition of P.J. Tucker does for this team in terms of the different looks they can give out there, depending on what's happening out on the floor. But again, you know, 40 minutes from Bam tonight and Brooke Lopez, 36. I, I don't know when was the last time he played 36 minutes, but he's not normally close to that high. Yeah. What, one other guy, one other kind of matchup that I, I thought was interesting was, I mean, I was not shocked to see Chris on Duncan Robinson. I think I mean, he did it on Saturday too. I think the fundamental trade-off seems to be that the Bucks want to put maybe have a little more size to contest Duncan Robinson. Um, Cause I think the other, the other option would be to put Dante on Duncan Robinson and, you know, say, all right, Dante, just like, you know, <laughs> use all your energy to try to just run around with Duncan Robinson and fight through all the screens illegal or otherwise uh, to try to just stay around him and, and be close to him. Um, I don't know that I, I'm trying to remember. I don't know how much I, I'm, I think we've seen that in the past. I, I don't think, you know, there's, there's a, that's like some easy answer. Uh, but I think the main thing you just worry about is Chris, especially just from a, you know, work rate standpoint, yeah. he has to work so hard to running around on Duncan Robinson that, uh, you know, is, is he just going to run out of gas and not, not have as much offensively? Um, I think you do like that matchup offensively. We saw Duncan having to guard Chris a lot. And I think obviously, Chris Middleton is going to feel pretty comfortable with, with that matchup. Um, but as long as Ariza is out there, you know, you, you have a little bit of flexibility because, you know, Ariza can obviously stick, uh, stick three pointers. 
Um, but he's not going to take advantage of a size differential. So, you know, he's not going to take advantage of Dante's lack of size. Um, but he's also a guy that, you know, someone like Chris could, could probably take a break on and, uh, and not have to put as much effort into, uh, into things defensively. Um, so I, there, there's definitely some different options there, right? You could put Chris on Jimmy, you could put obviously Giannis on Jimmy, which we saw a lot. Um, you could hide it. You could basically give either of them a break by putting them on Trevor Ariza, which we saw Saturday was what Giannis did uh, for the most part and gave up a number of trophies to open three pointers. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it, there are definitely some interesting options the Bucks have there. I don't think there's like a no brainer solution to, to stopping Duncan Robinson though, or, you know, if we did, it would, it would be a, an easy thing to do. So, but as we've talked about too, I mean, Duncan Robinson, he's not, he's not been a guy that like last year in the playoffs actually hurt the Bucks a ton. I think he had one really good game against the Bucks, but otherwise he actually was not, that piece of a factor. I thought West did a great job when he defended Duncan Robinson last year, um, just working and getting over screens and doing all that. But um, obviously uh, no West Matthews anymore. So they have to find a different solution. So we'll see. I mean, you just hope obviously he doesn't shoot as well in the, in the rest of the games, the series, but um, you know, he had a couple shots today that obviously are <laughs> very impressive shots. And I was going to ask as well. I, I, I know there was some, uh, the three point foul that when he got fouled on a three, late in the game i saw some some people questioning why bud didn't challenge it i didn't i don't remember seeing the replay i might have might have fast forwarded through it was that a was was there no foul on that call is that why people were were questioning why there wasn't a challenge on it yeah i mean i I think in general bud hasn't exactly uh let's say drummed up a lot of goodwill when it comes to his use of the challenges over the years so i think it's probably a bit of built up frustration i i thought robinson first of all i thought middleton did a really really nice job of uh, contesting to the side so he didn't crash into him and it actually to me looked like middleton just had his hand raised uh in the air and robinson sort of came down and and sort of intentionally like came down like with his follow-through with his hands into chris so I, based on what we've seen throughout the the night and the calls, I, I really, really dispute that the, a challenge would have been uh, effective anyway. I think they probably would have called a foul. And uh, then we saw literally the next possession that Drew Holiday was able to uh, draw a foul on a jump shot. And Spolstra called challenge immediately, which I, I don't think helped the frustration of Bucks fans. Let's just say that. Yeah, and I mean, just for people's awareness too, like there, there's what's called the high five kind of rule, which is, if you shoot a three and you release it and then there's like, you know, kind of a smacking of fingers after the follow through, um, that doesn't necessarily actually need to, uh, the refs don't have to call a foul on that specifically. Obviously you can't, you know, hit a guy as he's shooting the ball um, or something like that. But um, there's a little bit of room. Like the the rule is not that you can't have any contact with a player. Like after the, after the shot is, is taken with his hand. Um, Obviously what we've seen and you've pointed it out and I've, I think we've all been pretty exhausted with the landing area fouls that yeah. that have uh, that have become just called too common. Like players literally now, <clears throat> Garrison Matthews, um, you know, literally like jump in ways to land on top of defenders so that they get those flagrant foul calls, which are obviously just huge, huge swing swing calls. Um, so I I don't think we saw any of those today, if I recall. We did see that flagrant on Robinson for you know, basically throwing a forearm shiver and, into Chris on a, on a screen. Shocked by that call, by the way. He was shocked. I was surprised, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, well, to be honest, I was surprised that they gave the Bucks the benefit of the call. I mean, I think it was, I think it could have gone either way. I think it was, you know, you can definitely say it was unnecessary just to give it to 
forearm <laughs> elbow on his screen to Chris. I don't know that Duncan Robinson, it was sort of like there was contact and then his it arm kind of went up. So I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like there was a ton of intent there, but, um, but yeah, I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised that that, that guy was that, was that call right before the, the foul on, on, on Middleton. I, I feel like they were very close in proximity to one another and it felt like, it might have been um, like a makeup or something, but it was in overtime um, actually. But but yeah, I mean it could still have been. Yeah, and Drew Drew only did Drew only hit. I I I was trying to catch up through a lot of the free throws, but Drew only hit one out of those three free throws, right? Uh, or or was it ruled a two? It was two. He's two. Yeah. He's yeah. Split. Okay, it was two. He stepped on the line. Yeah, because unfortunately, Drew, as much as we love Drew. Um, let's just say his free throw shooting late in games is he's been a good free throw shooter overall. But um, yeah, I, when you talk about the Bucks best players, I don't trust Giannis to go to the foul line just because, I mean, obviously Giannis is not a great free throw shooter regardless, but um, Drew Holiday uh, has not been looked like a very reliable clutch free throw shooter either. And, you know, pretty much just leaves Chris as a guy that you actually trust to make three free throws. And of course he missed a couple today as well. So yeah, as you were saying, just, Pretty much nobody was able to to just step up and hit a pair of free throws when it mattered. But again, one more reason you just feel lucky to to count this one as a W, and you know you move on. And um, you know this is again the downside of being the home team having home court advantage is you got to win those first two games to really put the pressure on the other team. If you lose one of those games, obviously then the the lower seated team feels like, hey, great mission accomplished, right? We're going back home with a chance to to win two games and go up three one and take control of the series. So as the home team, or sorry, as the, the home court team, you you obviously really want to take these first two games and and pile the pressure back on Miami and and uh, and kind of flip the other way. So, um, yeah, just one of these games. That obviously, you're thrilled to win, but um, man, uh, yeah, Bucks. Hopefully, this was a warning a warning shot for the Bucks that that they've got to be better and sharper. And obviously, to some extent, the three point missing. You know, look, it, it just happens, right? You're just going to miss three pointers and other games, you know, you're going to hit 29 threes like they did against Miami in the first game that they played these two teams. So hopefully the Bucks, um are, have, have sharpened their, their three-point shooting by, by the next game out. And obviously if uh, they start hitting threes, you start to feel much, much more confident that, that they can really take control of the series and, and hopefully make it shorter rather than longer. All right, a couple of shout-outs before we wrap this one up, uh, Frank. First one goes to Garrison Matthews for getting a mention on a Bucks playoff win podcast where he had nothing to do with the game. So Garrison Matthews could probably be a career highlight for him. Secondly, uh, shout-out to the Bucks fans that were in the arena, 9,000. Uh, the players all said that it was, you know, I mean, quite obviously, but the loudest game that they've played in all season long. And it looked like a beautiful day in Milwaukee, the fans were out there outside the arena in the Deer District drinking beers, probably getting burnt with their white Wisconsin skin. So uh, that was good to see as well. So shout out to all those guys. Uh, Frank, any last thoughts that you need to throw out there before we wrap this up and get ready for game two? No, let's, uh, let's enjoy, I hope everyone uh, you know enjoys a, a, a fun Saturday night. Uh, if if they had lost this game, it would have been a hell of a sucker punch to go into <laughs> Saturday night. So, um, you know, de- definitely not uh, maybe the kind of way you'd want to win the first game, but certainly uh, an exciting, exciting win. And again, shout out to Chris Milton. Love, love seeing him step up and um, again make uh, make a huge shot uh, in a in a in an overtime. He because we should remember the game the Bucks won last year against Miami was Chris hitting big shots in overtime. So. Um, hopefully that's at least one theme that we can continue to carry forward. Although hopefully the Bucks uh, 
don't have to make it so quite so dramatic uh, throughout the rest of the series. All right, game two, 6.30 p.m. Monday night. Uh, we'll have a podcast uh, for you before that game comes around. So make sure you keep an eye out for that one. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Subscribe and share and all those things if you are new to listening to this podcast. And if not, stay safe out there. Like Frank said, enjoy a few beers or maybe waters, whatever you like to drink, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow.